Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. On Unpacked, we're chatting with Preston Puteau, my partner in crime at Lake Ridge Community Church. Preston's an author, a columnist, a gardener, and a father. Preston and I are going to discuss the topic of disagreeing, which you can imagine comes up sometimes when you work together. We're going to share a little bit about it, what it means to disagree well. I so appreciate Preston's ability and his commitment to loving his community and his neighbors. He is a great friend, a colleague, and a partner in ministry. We're also going to use the word community a fair bit. It's one of my favorite things when people ask us, well, which community are you talking about? The church community or the community of Chestermere? And our response is, yep. Dr. Preston Buteau is on the call. <laughs> There's only one place I feel comfortable and it's leaning right over my mic talking to people I love. So, <laughs> All my fans out there in podcast land. <laughs> did you get your sermon done? I did. I did. I recorded it over on the side of the road here and it was different and fun, but I think it got the point across. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's cool. Yeah, well, now now we can officially say in the pandemic, we both preached a sermon from our vehicles because I did one too. <laughs> I can't remember when I did that. It, was, it wasn't great. that long ago, but anyway. What's the next location? We need like a list of weird locations you guys should preach from in the pandemic. Totally. I think totally people should. should like submit their <laughs> challenge, their preaching challenge. They should give us their topic and the place they want us to preach it in. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So strange, strangely, we have never really done this before. Like we've never really nope. had like a, but we've talked about, it took a pandemic to draw us That's together right. like this. So we've certainly had lots of conversations where we were like, wouldn't it have been great if we had recorded that? I think people would have probably appreciated hearing this. <laughs> I would just like it on the record that I've suggested this for years. Yeah. Oh, look, there was a there was once maybe one time you did, I think. Yeah. So we could talk about so many different topics and, um, and probably we will, if this podcast keeps going. One of the things that we haven't done is you and I actually very seldom do conversations back and forth in front of others, which is kind of a funny thing. You have your Sundays to preach and I have my Sundays to preach and you give your pastoral reports and I give my pastoral reports, but and we tease each other about both of those all along the way, but we don't, we don't usually do a conversation that's like on the same topic where we're trying to actually unpack something. So I, on that level, I'm kind of excited. Here's what we thought we would talk about and hopefully we'll get, we'll get there, but, but this is the main crux of what we want to talk about is like, how do we create, how do we develop a posture or an environment? where actually disagreement is important and is, is really um, 
fuel for growth and maturity Mm -hmm. in our spiritual life, but also in our neighborhoods and in our communities and all those kind of places. So we're going to talk a little bit about the church, Lake Ridge specifically, since we seem to be both experts on Lake Ridge. But our hope is to kind of get to this point of like, how do we talk about disagreeing? How do we do that? And what does it look like? And, and is it right to do that? Is, and then hopefully along the way, we can tell some stories, some Lakers stories, but maybe just some ministry stories about how we've experienced disagreement or how we've seen God do, do good things in the midst of individuals and, and even group, small groups of people who are, who are kind of coming at things from a different side of view but, but hopefully can grow as well. Both of us, and this is one of the things I appreciate the most about you, Preston, is that I always have appreciated that I believe you have a great heart and that you always have had a desire to see people learn and grow. And, um, and that sometimes that means that, that, that means they, they're going to be in conflict a little bit while they figure that out and the tension. And so, so I think, and I hope that that's a little bit of what we can talk about is how do you survive the tension? You know, when somebody in the room is adamantly disagreeing with you or, or whatever, how do we do that? So, so to get to that though, let, let's do a little Lakeridge thing first. So now that I've kind of given that little intro, what do you think is like, when you think about Lakeridge five years out, 10 years out around a topic like this, what do you, what do you hope for? Like, what do you imagine? What do you dream for us? You know, I was I was in a Japanese garden the other day, and as I was walking through this Japanese garden, uh, I was just really impressed with how there was this like sense of coming together of a bunch of different things. Now, it is really hard to call a garden like one cultural thing, right? Like there is there is no like single Japanese garden. But if, but when you're in a Japanese garden, you know you're in a beautiful Japanese garden, right? You were like. You expect there to be a little bridge. You expect there to be some things that say this is a special place. I think for me, my big hope for Lake Ridge five, 10 years out is that people would stumble across Lake Ridge and go, this is a very special place. Like there's a whole bunch of pieces and elements that have been nurtured here for so long, so faithfully, that now we have something to enjoy. We have something to grow. We we, we have a place to sit. We have a place to be challenged. Like, but those things like a garden is really my metaphor because it takes years to nurture it. But when you finally come across it, you get to enjoy it. And I think for, I think I really view Lake Ridge as being the gift of Christians from Jesus to Chestermere. I think when God sees this city, he goes, I really love this city to have a community of people that have nurtured for a long time, the way of Jesus among them. You can have a whole bunch of people involved in it and walking through it and growing along with us. And we don't, we aren't in a panic that people don't look or sound or smell or think just like us because it's a growing body of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, when I think about Lake Ridge in particular around this particular topic, I, my hope is always that, that Lake Ridge will be a place of freedom, no matter whom comes to us. And I, I was going to say comes through the doors, but that gives some impression that somehow the goal <laughs> is to get people to come in the doors. And I, and it really isn't, but, but no matter who encounters the church, the people from Lake Ridge, whether it's on their street or in a 
volunteer organization or wherever it is, as they encounter our folks from Lake Ridge, that they experience a freedom. So my hope, I think, in the big picture of things is that it's like that people would be free to be themselves, but that that would also lead into free to grow, free to change. I hope that Lake Ridge is always the kind of garden. I knew you'd work in a garden theme sooner or later, and it took about what, right 30 over the seconds. Gate. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> that that's a little bit of what I what I hope for. So in the context of how do we disagree, how do we agree, how do we disagree? First of all, would you say, like, what are we collectively as, as pastors about to say that disagreement is good? And if we're going to say so, what are the caveats to that? Well, I, th- I, th- I think the big question right out of the gate is what does, what does it mean to disagree? Like to agree to me is you both landed on the same dot on the ground, right? You, you, your two trajectories got you to the same place. Uh, to disagree means that your trajectories have not gotten you to the same place at the same time. And I think that this is it. It's, it's, it's kind of over time. Where have your paths crossed? And are you both standing at that same place? And truthfully, we don't often stand at the same place as somebody else at the same time, right? Like um, we are on a journey and where I was a few years ago might be where somebody is just getting to now, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm I'm a block in another direction uh, or further down on a particular road on a particular set of ideas or something. And so this is this is actually what what I experienced when I went to school is there's usually a professor or somebody who's been down a certain road and now they're trying to help you go down that journey. Guess what? It's a whole room full of people who are disagreeing. Everybody's like, that's not my experience. That's not where I came from. That's not what I read. And it's in that, when you think of disagreeing as a place of learning or journeying, suddenly it isn't, should we disagree or not? It's, it's expected actually that there's a whole bunch of people that are seeing things differently from their point of view. And I, to, to me, that's, that's what agreeing is, is, is making an effort to come to each other and hold our package of experiences and ideas and beliefs uh, so that we can get in closer proximity to each other to be in relationship with each other. I think if our, our ideas or our experiences have a big chasm between us and other people. If agreement doesn't allow for relationship, that's the big problem. Um, but when, uh, but when our agreement gets us closer or we can be in proximity to each other, I think then we are actually able to exhibit love and all the things that, that Jesus calls us to, which is actually Jesus's highest standard is love, not agreement. Yeah. I, I actually really like that. I, that idea of like that, the agreement is about a point. It's not, it's not about planting somewhere and saying, okay, join me on my dot. It's like two, two people, two groups of people, two kinds of people, whatever, making their way towards a common unity. And, and so I, I would say some of the ways that we have to do that is by looking for the things that we have in, in common with each other, as opposed to what we have, uh, that is different. Right. And, and so I think that that's one of the, one of the gifts. So, so I, I was trying to work this out to ask a good question like this, but it's like, so say we're, I'm no baker, but say we're baking a cake. Okay. What? And, and we got to have all the ingredients out on the table to, to get this going. I'm always, I'm a big fan of the cooking shows because all the ingredients mm-hmm. are all measured out perfectly. And, and it, it, it basically makes it look like the easiest thing ever to bake a cake on TV. Right. Because they're just like, 
pour in all these little things and, you know, <laughs> and then uh, magically out of the oven comes a perfect cake. Now we know that that's not real, um, but, but there are parts of it that maybe are helpful here. I think the first thing being that I think sometimes in the church, we make an assumption that if we put all the ingredients in right theology, right, you know, outreach, right, whatever age group mm-hmm. of people, you know, all the pretty people or all that, whatever, uh, that instantaneously without any effort or work, a beautiful cake is just going to pop out. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I think about unity and when I think about disagreement and some of those kind of things, there's a part of me that kind of wants to, what, what is the recipe? What are the ingredients that we want in our community? The relationship is an ingredient, right? That you're, you're like, no, no, you don't, we don't just roll in here and impose our will on, on a group of people. We, we come in here and we do what we can to build relationship. And I think relationship is one of those ingredients to how a community can be healthy and disagree. So, so if I was going to throw in some other ingredients, like, and we'll just throw them out there, we can talk about them, but, but like, here's a few for you like an ingredient of, of listening. Well, honing and growing a posture of listening. Like you said, like your, your image, right. That, that just like we would grow an ingredient that was healthy. Listening is, is one of those ingredients. And I know we talk about this too. Like, you know, we'll be in a staff meeting or you'll say, Oh, I was, you know, I had a conversation this week that, you know, was confusing or was, you know, cause usually you're coming to me for advice. That's usually how it works here. So, so that's the way I hear it. Right. But no, but, but I think I even said this to you last week. I was like, is there more listening we need to do to, to mm-hmm. whomever you are talking about? Cause you don't always say their name, but I go, do we need to listen more there? Who needs to be heard? How do we hear? How do we make sure that we understand what our people are going through? Totally. It, at, at, at the center of the word church, the word for church is ecclesia. And the middle, the root word of ecclesia is kaleo, which means called. We are a called people. And if so, we should almost not call it church. We should just call it the called people. And when you're called, that means that you're listening. We are not a successful group of people. We are not a, not a, um, you know, we, we've definitely proven that Presley. We are not a successful group of people. Speak for yourselves. We, the church always wants a mission and a vision, uh, but we don't talk about our calling and that's what actually drives us in any direction. And it gives me great comfort actually to be in that place, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to add to that, like a called person is a person who is who, who isn't perfect, who hasn't got it all figured out. So it is a learning person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I think about my own calling to ministry and I think about, you know, when I made that, when I, when I came to this sense that I was like, I think maybe I'm actually called to do this. I didn't know nothing about nothing at that time. Like there was so much still to learn, you know? And Well, you are, you are in really good company because in the Bible, almost every time God calls somebody, he says their name twice, you know, Moses, Moses, <laughs> like every person is twice. So it's like, I think God has said your name probably seven or eight times. I'm pretty sure like Evan, Evan, Evan. <laughs> Well, and also just reminding me that he's called me too over the years. I, you know, every, every year, a called person, a pastor, a Christian, a follower of Jesus has to, has to be reminded that this is important. That's right. That, 
that our faith is important. It, it, that it is one of those things that, that draws us forward, it calls out of us. And so, so to me, I would go, yeah, like this, this called people is a people that are committed to, to, to learning. And, and, and if you're committed to learning, you have to be committed to change. Right. So, so I'm going to throw out some other words. You just jump in and tell me which ones you like, or if you want to jump on any. Okay. So we've, we've already said relationship. We've said listening. I think an ingredient is grace. Mm-hmm. I think there's an ingredient, but like safety. I think one of the things we talk about at Lake Ridge is like hospitality and our way of hospitality, right. Is the ability to allow people to be themselves in your presence. And we can be hospitable then everywhere we go. It doesn't have to just be if people come to church, but when they come into my home, am I letting them be themselves here? When, when I see them at the grocery store or whatever, right? So yeah, which, which ones jump out at you? Well, no, no. I think, I think, I think along with hospitality is this word that I like called proximity. It's being close to your place and your people. Uh, I don't think you can love people from a distance. I think that's why Jesus says, love your neighbors. Cause actually they're the people who are like on your lap every day, right? Like, like they are in your face there, their dogs on your lawn. Like, like these are the people near nearby. And so you're to love the nearby people. And it is, it is, I hate to say it, but it is easy to love somebody from a distance sometimes, whether that's overseas, you can send some money and feel good about it. And you can love your family as long as they're in another city, but, you know, bring people into your tightest sphere of influence. And suddenly it tests actually, if this thing of loving Jesus and loving others actually works. And I hate to say it, I fail at that. Like I, I do not do good when people get really close into my sphere. Like I need my space, but it's kind of the place where this is all kind of worked out. And I go, I like, I'm a professional the, the, theologian. And if people, I, sometimes it doesn't work out where I really like people very much, you know? Uh, and it shows that there's some huge weaknesses in a theology that's kept at a distance. Proximity is vital. And that's where all those things you are saying start to make sense, like the hospitality, like the listening, like the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that one of the mistakes, and I, I don't think we've done this at Lake Ridge, so I'll toot our own horn here a little bit. But we don't we don't like to have conversations at arm's length. In other words, we don't we don't like to talk about topics. We, mm-hmm. we want them to come home and live here inside of us, you know, right up close, and and recognizing that that also comes with a great deal of tension. Not talking about a topic at arm's length, whatever that might be, masks, or mask wearing, or whatever, right? It's like that that actually we want to be able to talk about important things close up. And I, I, I won't deny that there aren't topics that, that scare the crap out of me. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and mostly to be honest with you, it's not even, it's not even that I am afraid of having conversations that I might lose. I'm actually pretty good at losing conversations. I think, I think what scares me about disagreement inside of the church or inside of a community is that, that people get hurt. And so I think that if I was to say, I have a fear of disagreement, inside of Lake Ridge or in other places, it, it's not that we wouldn't think the same way. I, I'm not really that interested in cookie cutter Lake Ridge Christians, but mm-hmm. what I am as a pastor, I often, I think the tension for me often is like, how, how do we protect people from getting hurt? Mm-hmm. And um, so how do you think we, what, what do you think we need to do as pastors at Lake Ridge, but, but also just as pastors as a whole 
honestly, Mm -hmm. as community leaders, like our own communities got just some tension around, you know, a little little bit of a golf course thing that's happening here in town. (laughs) Right. We, we have tension. We've talked about often with just neighbors who are, you know, some neighbors are on total lockdown and other neighbors are having people over and there's potential for judgment and, and hurt and criticism. So how, how do you see us? Like, what do we do here to be the kind of leaders that create, how important is mutual concern when it comes to disagreement? As, as a leader, I think that that's what I walk with is these eyes seeing massive holes in my community, in my neighborhood, and I see them in, in myself too, and work really hard to try to pay attention to the blind spots. And I need good people around me to see my blind spots and say, Preston, you, I don't think you've tended to this part of your life recently, but I'm grateful because most of the people who point these things out in me love me too. And they see me and they go, I... I love you, Preston, and I think you would actually thrive if you, if you nurtured this in your life, or maybe found a way to eliminate this from your life. And, and I think that that's what we're called to be as leaders: is to protect that that space, and and help them find safety to be able to uh, discover what they need to grow again. Safety yeah. is another ingredient, right? Here, here's what I what came to mind when you were talking about that. It's like. One, you know, one of our values at Lakeridge, I don't need to tell you, but is story. What started out as a very trendy word for us when we first set our, our values out at Lakeridge has, I think, become one of the guiding things for us. And that is that, that the more we listen to the stories of each other, the more we come to understand how people have come to believe what they do, how people have come to defend what they defend, how people have come to even work for what they, what they work for, good or bad. Like this can be good or bad. And I, I think that for us, I think that's an important thing. So a story comes to mind of a time when you and I, I think we're disagreeing. Some folks had had, had some challenging things happen in their life. And I wanted to, to go one way and you were struggling to go, go that way with me in terms of even how we would care for the individuals involved. And I think one of the things that, that helped me a great deal to have empathy and compassion for you was that I knew your story and you knew that I knew your story and you were able to say, this is just too dang close. For me, I see that as one of our most, most powerful moments as a team mm. of pastors mm-hmm. where, where I was able to say, that is not a part of my story and I can go there. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. That's mm-hmm. how it worked. And I, to me, even though I could have said, well, what does your job and you just, how you do it. And <laughs> right. Like I could poke away in there and not realize that what I was poking at was a part of, of your own woundedness, your own mm-hmm. story. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that when it comes to disagreement, both in our community, but, but also in our, in our church community, like, so both. And I like it when people get mixed up, whether we're talking about the church or we're talking about our city or whatever, <laughs> is that I think that the more we come to know each other's stories, the more and more we're able to compliment each other, care for each other, even empathize and accept each other. This is why um, probably the other ingredient that I'd add, which is tied into this, is the word literacy. And I don't mean just 
just reading like ABCDs, you know, that isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ability to get other stories into you and help them get into your story so that it affects the way that you live. So this is why we talk a lot about the Bible. And it's not because we're being old, old fashioned that, you know, somehow we should be doing this because we're pastors and pastors, I guess, should be reading from the Bible, you know, uh, no, no, no. We're doing this because this kind of story of God is so rich and, and complex with all the beauty of God's life. And if you don't understand the, the rhythms and patterns of how God has engaged with humans in the past, then the narrative that you have of God for wherever you absorbed it from in this culture today will probably be your guiding vision for who God is. That's, that's really interesting. I was going to ask you both. Could you both talk to how you learned or what you were taught about disagreeing and conflict? That's a good question. I, I think, I think that it always depended on who I was disagreeing with or who I was in conflict with. But I think, uh, to be honest with you, I was taught that that's a neg- that was negative, mm-hmm. that to disagree with somebody was, was to not be unified or that it was straight up sin or whatever, you know, in the context of me, a lot of it was, you know, dis- in disagreeing with my parents in my early years, I most definitely was caught that disagreement or conflict was bad because it obviously creates stress inside of me too. And I, I really wanted everybody to be happy. And, and I have a, I would like people to like me. It, that is a thing for me. What did I learn about conflict or, or disagreeing when I was little? That was bad. And then how did that evolve to where you are now? I realized that my, what not being myself would do to me. And I, I also realized, I think this, this is probably something I, I learned early on. I realized how big the world was and how many good things are in the world that I would have originally said were bad. I've come to realize that the gifts of, of some of that. So, and I've said this before. I often think I'm in an intellectual conversation. I often assume I'm wrong. And so I always withdraw. So conflict always represented loss to me. I don't know. I, I, um, I, th- I think I saw conflict modeled pretty, pretty well growing, growing up. Uh, I think my parents actually did a very good job of kind of modeling something, something good. Uh, I think that our home was, was a peaceful home and not in some sort of like contrived way. I think that, I think that's probably the thing that I've carried into how I deal with, with disagreement and agreement now is I just want to slow things down. I want to pay attention to where people are I want to listen to a lot of points of, of, of view. I just, I typically do not default to just saying, this is my point of view and I'm going to barrel it through. Cause I actually do think that the slow way is a way of getting actually people on side with you. And so it isn't Preston is not weak because he goes slow on some things. I think I do not like having a thousand decisions out on the decision-making table at any given time. I like to limit the amount of decisions, make them well, and try to build up upon those. And that just takes time and just wear them down. No, (laughs) now I know, now I know your, your strategy. It was just, we're trying to wear me down. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) But I think, but I think that, that the patient way also reveals something else along the time where I've been like, I am clearly going in, you know, direction A and I'm hoping, you know, in time, other people will come on board. 
there's been times, there was one time in 1997 where I was wrong and I was able to, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I think taking time on some big decisions actually helps you realize that, oh, I might be slowly getting people on my side. I don't know if my side's actually the right side with it. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that's why me and some spiritual formation processes go hand in hand because time and slowing down and paying attention and listening are actually really just good decision-making processes. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. So inside the church disagreement, I think inside the, the, the church disagreement comes oftentimes where, when our theologies don't line up, mm-hmm. right? our study of God, or what, what God thinks about something. And, and I think our, our concern or fear that God is a punishing God. So in other words, I think one of the challenges that we face is when we, when we come up against a theological conversation, style of worship, connection to the community, understanding about human sexuality, like all of these different things come when we, when we have embraced a foundation that somehow God is disappointed and is, or going to be disappointed. So we want to clean everything up is what I'm getting at. We mm-hmm. want to make sure everybody is on the same, same side. And I think that we make the, the misconception or mis- we have a misunderstanding that unity means total agreement, that when we talk about unity, it means that we all agree, that we're all planted firmly on the same dot. And yet the biblical story, in particular, Paul's writing is almost always written to people who are in disagreement about things and trying to figure this mm-hmm. out and wrestling it out. And, and you had, you had some were obsessed with, you know, who wanted everything clean and perfect and figured out so that God would be happy with them. And then you had others that were like, yeah, well, what about, you know, throwing out all the different questions. So what does it look like for us? You know, even as a church, but big C, like not just Lake Ridge church, but big C church, what does it mean for us to like create space for the tension Right. So when Paul writes, Paul says, you know, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, woman, woman nor male, slave nor free. Right. He, he starts listing off all these things. Why do you suppose he lists those people, those categories off? We probably listed them off because those were the people who were present in their little house church. And it was weird and it was awkward and it was hard to to learn for the men it was hard to learn with the woman there and for the for the slaves it was probably really hard to learn with their master there right and it's like and yet and and the jew and the gentile right like there was tension and and so i would say from an outsider looking in we wouldn't be able to say well now there's a unified group of people they probably didn't feel all that way but yet here they were, the people of the way, trying their best to understand the heart of God and then live it out. You know what? I think sometimes I think when we think of disagreements, we are trying to root something out. We're trying to take something and just rip it out and say, I don't I, either. I don't like the, the, the issue. So I'm going to just try to pull that out. Or I don't like the people who are bringing up the issue. Either way, it is an extractional kind of kind of metaphor. This is the thing. Jesus stepped into a world with a whole bunch of problems. There was societal problems, structural problems, like like social justice people would have stepped into Jesus's world and they would have been like, they'd have been freaking out, right? Everywhere, left, right, and center, the way people were treated was wretched. 
but Jesus did something kind of different. And people might've said, Jesus, you, you didn't act quick enough on this or extract this enough, but instead he went in and he began to form a new imagination, something that I think would have given them a metaphor that would have gone further. Um, so Jonathan Collins, he says this, he says, instead of thinking of your imagination like a star forming slowly over time and eventually growing white, hot and vibrant, you can't cut into a star with a knife. You can only fuel a star with new stories, new heroes, new rituals, new metaphors, and patiently reshape it. I think instead of a church of trying to extract out all of the disagreements and problems, I think that we're actually trying to put into it a new story, a new metaphor shaped by Jesus. I think that part of part of what helps us to create an environment where we can disagree is, is by demonstrating that the goal of of life together is not perfection that the goal of the goal of life together is is that we actually would walk with each other in the messiness and the things that are present rather than finding a sense of security or in in, in making everything look clean and perfect and all figured out so everything's on the right shelf in the right place and is labeled <laughs> properly that that rather we are kind of going, no, if Jesus was willing to step into the messiness of the world that you just described about, you know, what, what it was like with all the issues that were going on, if Jesus was willing to step into that, then, then what makes us think that he wouldn't step into the, our own individual lives, but also the life of our community in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our concerns for ourselves, for each other. Uh, honestly, in the midst of our fears, because I think that's what a lot of disagreements mm -hmm. come from fear. And, and, mm -hmm. and I would say when we don't truthfully address the fear, even acknowledge that it's there, like th this has probably been one of the most interesting things for me as, as I've pastored people and, and seen conflict, seen disagreement happen. Um, oftentimes, one of, one of the ways I have seen God do his most miraculous work in people is when they've been able to come to a place of safety where they can say, I am afraid. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I think that that's one of those kind of things is that as we've, you know, you and I, Tara's, Tara too, right? We've come to learn some of each other's fears. And in learning some of each other's fears, we don't have to poke at them and make fun of each other's fears. We can, we can actually carry the ball for others when they can't. And I wonder if that, if that isn't one of the most beautiful things about a community that is in disagreement occasionally with itself, you know? And how do we know and work towards knowing each other's stories so that we might be able to care well? Um, that doesn't mean agree. Well, and, and that statement just wrapped up everything you said is an agree is is an element it's listening it's story you know like uh, it's relationship all those things are the ingredients that will actually help us through the most challenging parts of this time we are in and there's a saying that you you cannot hate somebody whose story you know and i think this is why we're called to love our neighbors and know their stories like i i've gone to know stories down my street I didn't know these people. They're they're all strangers, and now 
I know most of their stories and I don't hate them. <laughs> like, and that might not sound like the biggest win in the world, but it, but it really is in this day and age. I have people from every religion, every part of the political spectrum, and I don't hate them. I, in fact, actually am learning to love them. And I think that that's the journey of it all. And if we can learn how to pay attention and love people on our street, uh, we can also, we are given a test bed to try this in our church community. And if we can have some small victories in learning to love people and live through disagreement in these places, we can probably begin to, to parse that out at a bigger level, at more of a city level, provincial level, global level. I actually believe when we get to, to heaven, we're not going to be a whole bunch of people that just look identical to each other with all the same right ideas. We're going to be a whole mix of people because actually love happens between and the friction between people that are different. And, um, and I think that that's the kingdom of God come, come near. That's what Jesus was ushering in, that the kingdom of God can grow up right in between you and somebody different than you. Here's what I think happens sometimes in disagreement that maybe I was afraid of before is that I think that sometimes when we disagree, we we're tempted to dehumanize our, that other person. And I think what's so interesting is that in a theological discussion, even in our attempt to keep somebody from doing something wrong or sinning or offending God, we can, we can resort to dehumanizing them. And as soon as we do that, we got to ask ourselves, well, who's in the wrong now? Because, because I think our story, the story of God, is that God has created us in his image and his likeness, right? And, and, and that means with different opinions on things. Okay. I was going to ask you guys, can you give some like practical, like just on that note, Preston, you were just both talking about this, but what are some practical ways we can disagree with each other? Like what are some tips to go about disagreeing? If you find yourself in that situation, what are some things to even help deescalate, but also just to remind yourself how to work through disagreement with someone. And we are like, what's probably surprising is you mentioned this earlier, but it might be surprising to people that both of you disagree with each other from time to time too, on how you approach things or your own issues. And how do you work through that? Evan is not as right as I am on a whole bunch of things. <laughs> uh, so we're Oh, and just to be clear, I'm always right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting him out. This is, this is, Evan and I have known each other for like two decades. I'm just, it's just long waiting out journey here. Um, no, I think, I think actually step one uh, of learning to disagree is taking off the mask ourselves uh, and revealing the places where we have not figured it out yet. I've been changing some of my, I, I, I've been learning a lot about science recently and people close to me, I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about the, the, the age of the world and geological formations? People are like, Oh mercy. But it's me working through something that I'm learning and thinking about and trying to make sense of it. And so the first way that I disagree well is by revealing the places where I'm figuring stuff out and letting that be out in front of me on the table. If I come to every table saying, I got it all figured out now let's talk about you. Well, that's not going to go very far. And it's taken me time to take my mask off and say, there's a whole lot of stuff I don't get yet. That's, I think, a very practical way of doing it is to have this humble posture of just being a learner. Man, I wish every relationship that I had was two people who were like, I don't, do you get it yet? No, I don't get it yet. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. <laughs> I like that a lot. So 
I think for me, one of the, one of the helpful things I've, I've tried to figure out in terms of like disagreement and all those kind of that topic is to think about disagreement with others as a journey. And I think that in my earlier years of ministry and, and uh, on in relationships, not just in ministry, I, I think oftentimes I was trying to get people to see it my way by the time the conversation was over so that I could, I could feel better about me. So I think that a lot of the disagreements that I was in had, to be honest with you, selfish intent. They, they really were about getting more and more people to agree with me when I was able, and, and to do it in a conversation. So nobody walks away, not <laughs> being on my page, right? Like, and, um, and then only to realize as life kind of, maybe this is an answer to your question from a long time ago, only to realize that the things that I was so certain of in my twenties, I am no longer so certain of. In fact, I might even hear myself preach it or say it, say something now where I would just go, Oh man, in my twenties, I'd have lost my mind if the pastor had said that. Right. And, <laughs> and I would have made sure they knew it. And I would have made sure it was all fixed up and cleaned up in a nice tidy little bow. And I think that that was almost always about me. So what have I learned in disagreement or in conflict is that everybody is on this journey. Everybody is growing Their Their stories are dictating some of the direction in which they they are taking on a particular topic. When I can understand the story, I can, I, it doesn't mean I need to accept what they've come to as their belief, but I can understand how they got to it. So for me, the, the things that I've learned is that each of us are on a journey and I should never expect somebody to just be right where I am on a topic or whatever. I have to be somehow gracious and kind to people as they learn they figure things out and if god's going to teach you something he's going to teach it to you the question you know and i i've said this a few times i think i've said this in the last 48 hours somewhere to somebody but i was like when it comes to loving our neighbors if you feel prompted to love your neighbor or care for your neighbor you should do that because what you're what you're getting a chance to do is to be a part of what god is going to do in their life or is doing in their life and if, if you reject or decide not, I can't talk to that neighbor because they, you know, ripped me off on the fence deal, you know, last summer and you refuse to engage them in a relationship. Well, the reality is if God is trying to speak and do something in their life, he's going to do it, whether it's through you or through somebody else. The only question is, are you going to choose to be a part of it? And I think the same is true when it comes to disagreement, right? It's like, well, I can just disagree with you and walk away and just cancel you out. Or I can stay in relationship and stay in connection and, and get to be a part of and get to be an audience in the good things that God is doing in somebody's life by not being overly aggressive or even opinionated on some things. Anyway, um, I appreciate your you guys' time and conversation. And, um, and more than that, I appreciate your partnership in this kind of endeavor we've taken on here in Justamere and and, um, and it doesn't always come with agreement for us. And, and I actually think it's what's made us stronger over the last you know, decade. There was an interesting thing when we, Lake Ridge first started, um, as there wasn't any disagreement when it first started. Uh, but it was very one-dimensional. 
since it was just me. <laughs> and, um, and I think that what you guys have brought to Lakeridge has made it what it is. And I, I'm proud of what it is, way more proud of what it is today than what I was, you know, 10 years ago when it was on, when it was on a piece of paper, <laughs> this idea. And uh, I think, and I hope and pray that Chestermere and the kingdom of God is better for it because you've, mm -hmm. you've chosen to commit to this place. And even when you've disagreed with me, and I know you both have, um, and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've done our best to, to be kingdom-minded people. So anyway, I love you guys and thanks so much for your work that you do here and, and for the last hour. That was good too. Thank you. This has been good. Bless, bless you guys. I miss you. <laughs>